Okay, thank you. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Joel. I usually am back with the children. I take it you're not children. But uh, Tyler asked me to speak, and uh, i got to get a few things going here before I start. But um, When Tyler asked me to speak uh, for Father's Day, I guess I are one, so I ought to be able to say a few things about dads. Um, you just saw one of them singing, and I will deal with him when it's over with about singing that song uh, because he knows I've been playing that song since he was a little bitty boy, and uh, I love that song. If you hadn't looked up Michael Card, look him up on YouTube and look up some of his songs because they are really great. Uh, I am dad to David, Zach, who is in the back running all the video stuff that I know nothing about, and Becky. Um, I won't talk about how long I've been a dad because that would give away Becky's age and then I would really get in trouble. So you don't do that. Dads know that. David, I'll talk about him all day long, but not, not Becky. Uh, and I'm grandpa to, or papa to Eli, my grandson, and uh, have another grandchild on the way for November. So we're really excited about that. So I've got a lot of uh, grand, grandfatherly and fatherly experience, and I am dad-in-law to Marla, who's usually up here with David, and my, my son-in-law, Jason. So, got a lot of experience in the father business. Uh, some of it good, some of it bad. How many dads we got here today? One, two, one back there. I know Harley's back there. Uh, but yeah, that's cool. So, uh, what I wanted to do today when Tyler asked me to uh, talk to you guys about being a father, um, there's some things that I think of when I think of a father uh, that when I was an early stage in life. Uh, so I just wanted to get your thoughts this morning. We're going to have kind of an interactive thing to begin with. So what I want to do is I want a one-word description of a good dad to you, from you. Now we're going to talk about what makes a dad today. So any one-word description that you think that makes a good dad. Love. That's excellent. Miss Ruby, thank you. Honesty? He's been reading my notes. Another one? Kind? Good. Caring? Those were kind. If I don't spell it right, don't judge me. Supportive. Excellent. We'll go back and look at these later to see how you did on the test. Anyway, any more? Leadership. So he's a leader. We'll just say dad's a leader. Dad, you're a leader. Tag, you're it. Anybody else got anything else? Okay. So I don't know if the guy's going to be able to pull up, pull up with our, our technical difficulties today that we're having. But they're okay. Cool. Uh, but some of the things that I, as I went through on my own, just and some of these things are great. But anybody recall Dad a fixer? And I'm not going to write them all down. How about Miss Ruby hit one was a leader. How about a worker? Anybody, anybody's dad knows you got to work. Kids got to eat. They eat all the cereal in the house. I'm just telling you. Uh, I know that from experience. Uh, anybody recall dad this? 
friend. Okay? Cool. So those are some one-word descriptions of a good dad. Your dad. Even if you were... One thing I loved about the song that David sang is there are so many people now who are raised by grandparents who have stepmoms or stepdads because they're... Uh, households that have, have broken up and, and they've remarried. So you may have been raised by somebody who actually wasn't your biological dad, but we've all had a father figure in our life. So what I want you to do, this is a little interactive thing among yourselves. Turn to the person next to you and tell them the one word that best describes your dad. Go for it. Oh, don't you be careful. You gotta be careful, <laughs> David. Be careful. You already have one strike in, buddy. So, <laughs> okay. So, what formed that word or idea that you have of your dad, uh, or what you think a dad should be? What forms that word? We all got one, and there are uh, a lot of things that we go through in life, and they're called experiences, right? Those experiences form your idea or thoughts of what your dad is or isn't. Let's do another word study. We're going to turn the page. Oh, I love charts. Y'all just, if you don't know, you don't have an idea. If I could put a spreadsheet up here, we'd really be having fun. Okay, uh, let's see. Mm, give me some one-word descriptions of a bad dad. I'll start. Lazy. Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. Anyway, just saying. Another word? Hmm? Absent. Wow. Another one? I guess I spelled it right. Anybody else got one? I don't know if that's right because I spelled it wrong. Anybody else got one? Well, I'll let the guys throw the, throw the ones up here for the bad dad qualities. Some of the ones are judge. You ever had a dad that was a judge? And maybe kind of go along with that was uh, enforcer. Made sure no one broke the rules. Uh, I hope this is not the case with your dad. Maybe your dad's lost. Alex hit the other one. Your dad's absent. Teenagers would say this one. Your dad may have been, and mine probably thought this at one time. I hope they know better now. But your dad's clueless. Um, hopefully, they know better by now. Hopefully, you're not clueless. But that might be a, something that a teenager would throw out there. They're, my dad is clueless. He has no idea about what I go through every day, like totally. Anyway, uh, so why this word game? Uh, you know, there's a real, there's a direct link between your thoughts and my thoughts of our Heavenly Father that are related to the guy that you grew up in the house with. To the father figure in your life, those experiences, those thoughts, all these words directly late, relate back to how you think of your Heavenly Father. Uh, good or bad, it happens, I can promise you. So we're going to use uh, an acrostic today. Acrostic. Let's see there. I'm, I use a big word. 
Acrostic is a word that you use the letters of that has, we're going to do a little teaching based on that. And the word we're going to use is faith. See, my faith is what your hope is based on. That's what all faith is. So what is your hope? What is your hope? What is the, um, what is the hope that you have? And I'm going to use a lot of my notes for me today. They're not, they're for me. Uh, they're not for you, they're for me because I want you to get out of here and get to eat lunch before supper time. Anyway, we all want to go celebrate with our dad. And I think our faith is an indicator uh, of where our hope lies. And the strength of our hope and our faith is going to determine how great or bad that our dad is. Where is your hope? So our first letter in our acrostic in faith, since it is the first letter in faith. Yes, teacher, I know. It is an F. So let's look at our list and see if the word that I want to use is up here. I don't know if it is or not. I don't think it is. We've got some of them, but we don't have that one. And the first word we're going to use in our acrostic is going to be founder or foundation. You can use foundation. Either, either one of those will work. Uh, anybody know what they used in Jesus' time to actually start a foundation? Anybody? It was a simple thing. Jesus has called it all through the Bible. Take a guess. You cheated. <laughs> uh, in Jesus' time, they used a thing called a cornerstone. I don't know if the guys can get the picture up or not. I put a picture in the file. If you, can, if you can look at this picture, this big block in the corner is a cornerstone. You see what it looks like compared to the other stones around it? It is really smooth. It is straight. The right angle on it is perfect. Notice all the other stones are not. So for in Jesus' day, for a foundation of a building, you'll see, you hear all kinds of things about cornerstone throughout the Bible. Just Google it. Go in the Bible app today and search cornerstone. You'll be surprised at how many things you get. In Jesus' day, for a building's foundation to be perfect, the cornerstone had to be perfect. The cornerstone set the foundation um, set the foundation for everything else that's going to be built on it. Uh, if the stone was off on one angle just a little bit, the whole foundation's off. If you don't, if you ever dealt with construction, you know that you get the foundations bad, then the whole thing is going to be bad. You're going to try to put up, put in a new window one day, and nothing's going to line up. It's going to be like my old house that I live in. It's over 100 years old. Um, but things are going to fail. Things are going to fall, and um, everything built on it is just not going to be any good. So. Is anyone in here, you know, if, if you think about dad as the cornerstone of your family, uh, if you've placed your dad as your family's cornerstone, guess what's going to happen? I'm just saying, I'm not perfect. Ask him and him and her. They will tell you, I am, I'm not perfect. I know that. So your dad, or if I do that, if I place myself as the foundation of our family, if I try to set myself as that cornerstone, what's going to happen to my family? The foundation's going to be off, and my family's going to fail. There's going to be trouble. Uh, there's going to be all kinds of things go wrong. 
they can tell you that if I, we did that, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Uh, anybody got a perfect dad? I want to meet Jesus. If you got him for a father, please tell me. I want to come see him. Um, hug his neck and tell him thank you for one thing. I don't have one either. Uh, my dad was imperfect. Uh, a lot of issues, one of his issues was anger. And you know what anger is? It's an indicator of an imperfect foundation. Um, it's just one of the many things that fathers have to deal with. And um, the, the stuff that's in our life that we carry with us, the sin that we carry a lot in our life, is not, doesn't, we're not perfect. So today we use tools like squares and transits and everything else to set, our, to set the foundation uh, much like the cornerstone in Jesus' time. And all that does is make sure the corners are square, the building uh, is well supported, it's built on a great foundation. But if my kids use me as the foundation of my family, we're, we're, we're in the toilet to start with. It's not going to work. Um, and if a guy takes on that role or a man that's in your life as the father figure takes on the role of uh, that cornerstone, that basis for your foundation of your family unit, it's not going to, it's not going to uh, work. It's going to fail at some point. Let's look at what God says in Job 38. Now, if you've never read the book of Job, there's this ongoing conversation between God and Job, and Job's going through all these trials and all these things. And Job's kind of went off a little bit and kind of questioning God and what he's going through and the why behind it and everything. And then Job says this in Job 38. In verse 2, he says, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? This is God talking now. Brace yourself like a man. In other words, put your big boy drawers on. Here it comes. Because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. And that's something God's telling all of us. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Don't think God's got a sense of humor. I can just see him wagging his head telling Job this. Who determines its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? If you don't know what a surveying line is, it's a line that they run from one corner of a building to the other to lay out the, the floor plan of a, of a foundation of a house or a, a building, whatever it is you're building. So he said, so who determines its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundation and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? So this is what God says when we try to build a, on a faulty foundation. Uh, when we rely on our own wisdom as dads, or moms, or followers, or leaders, as Miss Ruby said a while ago, we take on a role that's not intended for us. Jesus didn't mean for us to be the man. You may want to be the man, but he didn't intend for us to be the man. So let's look in Zechariah 10 and see what Zechariah has to say about this. And God's talking to the leaders of Israel here, the leaders of the Hebrews. He says, my anger burns against your shepherds and I will punish these leaders for the Lord of heaven's army has arrived to look after Judah, his flock. He will make them strong and glorious like a proud war horse in battle. From Judah will come the cornerstone, the tent peg, the bow for battle and all the rulers. They will be like mighty warriors in battle, trampling their enemies in the mud under their feet since the Lord is with them as they fight. They will overthrow even the enemy's horsemen. Wow. That's a promise. 
And in case you didn't catch it here, God's telling in, in this, this is a prophecy about the coming of Jesus. Um, Jesus is going to be our foundation. When he's talking about that cornerstone, that's going to, the Lord of heaven's armies is coming to look after his flock. He's, pro, he's prophesying the coming of Jesus. And he's going to be the one to be our foundation. He takes on that role when he calls him the cornerstone in here, and he takes on that role to be what we cannot be. Now, he says another thing, and I'm sure you probably, some of you may be wondering, what is he talking about? A tent peg. Anybody ever been tent capping? You ever been in a tent? What's it like when the wind's real bad and storm's coming? And it's just waving all over the place. I've been in one where the, I woke up and saw the floor floating because there was so much water. Really, seriously, I did. Um, it was bad thunderstorms at the beach and the tent floor was floating. But God is saying, uh, he's going to be our tent peg. You know what happens to a tent that's not staked down really well? You're going to be up <laughs> scrambling in the middle of the night trying to find a way to stake that thing down in a, in a windstorm or a thunderstorm to keep you from, and everything you've got from getting soaked and in Jesus' time tents on up, on up all through the New Testament Paul was a tent maker there were people who lived and worked out of tents so tents were a big thing and that was one of the ways he was telling you that he said uh, what he was really trying to say is have you ever had a storm in your life that you felt like was going to blow you away you ever had one of those? I have. We lost a child at six days old. We lost my father-in-law to leukemia. We lost my mother-in-law to Alzheimer's. And when that doctor walked in that room and said, Pret had leukemia, instead of a cold or some kind of virus or flu, what do you think the tent walls are doing? They were moving in that wind, baby. I'm telling you. Thankfully, praise God that I knew the one who is the tent peg, who holds it all together when I can't. That is an awesome thing. I'm, I hope you can say that about him. But he will hold you in the strongest storm. Your dad might not be able to do that. If you're looking at me as your or any other dad, to be the one who holds everything together when things are falling apart we're probably going to fail you because we have doubts and we we struggle so that's what he's telling you now this next one I love from that verse he says he is a bow now look people I know something about bows you're talking to a hunter I've shot them and used them for a long time but God's not talking about going looking for a deer and sitting in a tree stand right here he's talking about going on the offensive and most people today would think a 40 caliber Glock is the best kind of concealed weapon that you can have. Let me tell you, it's not. Jesus is the best concealed weapon that you can have. And that's what God's talking about here, about being warriors in battle. Instead of sitting back and waiting, waiting for trouble to come, an ongoing relationship with him gives you a foundation. It gives you not just something that helps you survive the storm but it gives you something that you can actually attack this enemy with who is coming after you and he will some of this stuff is just like job in the old testament we're we go through things because we don't know what's going on in the in the heavenly realm and what god's allowing to happen to us so he can say look at this this is my servant he won't deny me so 
if you want to have a steady foundation, if you want to be able to go on the attack with your family instead of wait, waiting for things to happen to you, then I can, I can tell you that uh, in this verse and other verses in the Bible, God promises that he's going to give us that ability. Our next letter in our acrostic is a word beginning, let's say faith, F-A-A, it's A. And uh, one of our, I don't know if one of our words is up here or not, wait a minute. No, it's not. I'll put it up here. And our next word is available. And I know what some of you are thinking already. Does your dad have time for you? Has he had time for you in your life? Does he get involved with the things that you you do, and does you get involved with the things that he do he does? Um, if our dad really loves us, in our minds as humans and kids, um, to us the amount of time he spent with us as children tells us how much he loves us, how much he loved us. In my case, because that's that was a long time ago. I remember as a child, I loved being outside with my dad. My dad went bird hunting back then, quail, and I loved that. I thought it was, man, that's cool. We get to shoot a gun. They tasted good. My grandma cooked them all the time. Uh, I really loved that. I loved the time to just go outside and be with my dad. Uh, I bugged him to death until he finally started carrying me. He took me with him. Uh, he taught me all everything that I know about uh, gun safety. You learn that when you've toted a shotgun all day and you can't shoot it because he won't let you because you pointed it in the wrong direction. I learned that kind of stuff at a, at a very early age. It was the one thing that my dad and I connected on, and now he says he did his best to discourage me from it. And Fred probably wishes he had uh, done a better job at discouraging me from wanting to be a hunter. But um, at that young age, my dad was available. But as I grew older, I found my dad, uh, because of his work schedule and other things that, that he was pursuing, he had very little time for me. Uh, and I was, I'm the oldest of four kids in my family, so uh, I wanted to play ball. I wanted to play baseball and football and all the other things my friends were doing. The one thing that really kept me from doing that was my dad wasn't there. So I quit. Uh, I pretty much was like, you know, I don't care if dad's not going to be there. If he doesn't care, I don't care. So you see what I, I did there? Because he didn't care, I didn't care. So I pretty much just gave up on sports. Um, one thing I have learned uh, as a dad and as a leader um, over the years is that what I say carries very little weight if I'm not available to people. I can tell you, I can be the best leader in the world. I can stand up here and tell you all this stuff, and hopefully you'll go home and you'll put it into, you'll apply it and put it into practice. But if I don't do it, if I don't spend time with you and I don't uh, build some equity with you by spending time with you, then it's, it's all, you know, don't do as I do, do as I say do. That don't work. Trust me. I've been in leadership long enough now to know that really does not work. Um, leading my family means being available. Uh, see, I got time to spend with them. I'm sure there were plenty of times that my kids at a band competition or a football game wished Daddy had not been available. If 
because the way I was screaming and hollering, especially when they were almost the win state in the band competition, and I was screaming like a wild banshee, they were probably saying, I wish he'd stayed home. But uh, I loved those times, and there were some times that I, weren't, I wasn't there because of whatever reason that I, I wished I had been. But if you want to be a great dad, you got to spend time with your family. In our culture today, um, man, I was reading this scripture, and our own personal desires run over, run over what is best for our families many of the times. We've got goals. Um, we've got all kinds of things that get in our way. So let's read this in 2 Timothy, and you tell me what you think. So 2 Timothy 3 says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel, hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Does that sound like anything that you know that's going on today? Um, pride and our sense of self-fulfillment is not what God wants for us. It's not about you, and it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And um, when we are first, then everyone else suffers. If I place my wants and my needs ahead of everything else in my family, then my family suffers for it. So tell me where your priorities are. Who's first? You've got to answer that question for you to be all that God intended you to be. Um, if you think getting ahead and making more money and having a better job is going to be what gets you where you want to be, it won't. The cool thing is, we don't have to guess at what being available means. Um, all we have to do is look at Jesus. How did he lead his disciples? Once he called them, he didn't hand them a training manual like a lot of companies do now and walk off into the sunset. Say, here you go, boys. Let's, um, you know, let's see how you do. Y'all come back check on you in six months. It didn't work that way. He was available to them. He led them by example. From their calling to his resurrection, Jesus never left them alone. There were times that he sent them out to do what he had called them to do. They went out and they cast out demons and preached in his name, but they always came back, and Jesus always was giving them feedback. And he was always encouraging them. I heard, uh, I saw in a Bible study that I was reading the other morning, it says great companies now, great companies, great companies who have great um, culture, said so they praise people in their company six times to one uh, one comment that's negative or one comment that judges them and I'm going wow man that would be cool to work in an environment where you get praised six times I'm, I'm very fortunate I do work for a place like that but there's a lot of people that don't they don't have that they don't have that encourager and uh, Jesus prayer in John 17 shows us how he feels about all of us who follow him. In John 17 and verse 6, Jesus says, I have revealed you to the ones who gave you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. 
Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. I'm praying not for only these disciples, for, but for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And they may be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Jesus never leaves the people who love him. Dads, moms, leaders. You want to impact your family or your workplace, even your boss. If you got a, you know, dude, if you got a bad boss, you want to make an impact. We don't have time for anyone but ourselves, and we'll never see this type of unity. We have to, it, it all begins with us being available. So if you, you want to be a better leader, how available are you to your time with Jesus every day? What does that look like? What's your quiet time look like? And I know I'm not going to give you this, do this, get a journal, do the Bible app, blah, blah. It, can, it looks different for everybody. But you need to have a time where you set it aside and you've made yourself available to Jesus. That It all begins with that. So action item for this week. How are you going to make yourself more available for you for your relationship with Jesus and number two how are you going what are you going to do to make yourself more available to your family somebody asked me at jumpstart when they hired me I said how are you going how are you going to make how are you going to uh, lead the people or care for the people that we're going that will be under you that will be in our ministry and I and to which I replied I said they're going to be on my calendar. I schedule them time. I schedule time every month with, with Tyler and some other leaders in our community. But these guys that I work with every day, they deserve my time. They deserve me putting in that, that calendar reminder. Hey, you need to go see Charles today. He really did a really good job on the door in the gym. This review, and you go check that out, by the way. Um, but we've got some awesome guys. But the way you value them is you spend time with them. And you, if you've got a calendar or a planner, if you're one of those type of people walk around with a little planner thing, just put it in there. Most of us use our phone. Pick up your phone, put it in your phone, schedule your time so you know because things are really busy today. I get that. But you have to be intentional with your time. What you say has very little impact. It's what you put your time in, how you make yourself available to your family. Our next letter in our acrostic is I. F-A-I. That's right. Okay, um, and for everyone in leadership, this is something. If you're going to be successful as a dad or a leader, my goodness, uh, this word is called integrity. And you could put integrity slash honesty. So that's, he's been reading my notes. Uh, integrity is a, um, a problem with integrity is another issue that comes from that bad foundation. Not having Jesus as your cornerstone. Integrity is who you are in public mirrors the same thing that you are in private. Families with dads who act one way in public and act another way in private. That's just an indicator of a bad foundation. You can't lead your family that way. Um, you can't act one way at work and a different way at church. I don't know if you guys, how many people here work around people like that? I have. I mean... And I see the impact it has on people who aren't Christians. They look at this person, and they see them at work. 
So why would I, why would I want to go to church with this guy? I had some guys ask me that. If he acts that way at work, I sure don't want to go to church with him. So your, your integrity, how you act, I hope and I pray that integrity is not an issue with you as a dad. Uh, I can remember as a small child, my dad have a, had a really violent temper. Uh, oh, man. Uh, he would get so angry uh, because something didn't go his way or uh, my mom or I had done something wrong. And he'd take that anger out on us physically. Uh, just because he was so mad, it was like he didn't know what else to do, so he took it out on us. And at home, he was really violent. He was angry. Um, when we go to church, I was dressed well. I looked good. Mama looked good. We were all smiles. Hey, y'all. But guess what? It wasn't so nice at home. Uh, my dad had an integrity problem, and it went back to the foundation in his family because his family... His home had dealt with this same problem, and this issue had never been resolved. So my dad was dealing with it. Thankfully, my dad met Jesus, and over the years, he, he gradually, it took some time, but he gradually got better and better and better, and thankfully, my younger brothers and sisters didn't have to deal with some of the stuff that I had to deal with. So I'm thankful to Jesus for doing that for my dad, and I love my dad today. He's 86 years old. And I'll give him a call or go see him in a little while. But um, it is amazing to see how God transforms people. But when your integrity is off, your relationship with Jesus is suffering somewhere, some way, shape, or form. So it matters most to our families because they know us like no one else does. I can stand up here and try to be all that to you. And them two boys and her... And Becky could tell you some tales that like, oh boy, he, he ain't all that. And that's probably the truth. I have not been all that. Let's think about this. Proverbs 20, 28. Love and truth form a good leader. Sound leadership is founding on loving integrity. Loving integrity. Not just, you know, well, I want to be, be the same. No, you have to love it. Proverbs 14.32 says, The evil of bad people leaves them out in the cold. The integrity of good people creates a safe place for living. Let's go on to Matthew 22.15. That's when the Pharisees plotted a way to trap him into saying something damaging. They sent their disciples with a few of Herod's followers mixed in to ask Jesus, Teacher, we know you have integrity. Teach the way of God accurately or so, and different to popular opinion and don't pander to your students. So tell us honestly, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? They were trying to catch Jesus in a lie. But one thing they did admit is that Jesus, we know you have integrity. Integrity creates a safe place for living. That foundation that we set our family on will be safe. Our family will feel safe. We will have open and honest communication if we have integrity. Is your home safe? Do you practice in private what you display in public? That's, that's all integrity is. Uh, I think all of us can talk to Jesus about that on some level. All of us can, but if you have a basic foundational problem with integrity, then that's something you need to deal with Jesus on so you can put him as the cornerstone of your family.
Jesus always had one goal in every situation and every sentence he recorded. He wanted to make his father famous. He wanted everybody to know about him. And um, we naturally learn to put on masks as adults to, for the situations that we're in. We go to work and we put on one mask or we go to school and we put on a mask, whatever the situation is, but that wasn't Jesus' case. Jesus was the same. He says, I'm the same to the yesterday, today, and tomorrow, all the time. So that's what real integrity is, is you are the same person all the time at every situation. If integrity is one of your character flaws, promise me. I promise you that Jesus will help you solve that issue. I'm, I, he's helped me, and he's helped millions of people, not just men, women, all kinds of leaders help solve that problem. So your action item for, uh, that, that concerns integrity this week, not just for dads, but for all of us. Are you the same person that you in public that you are in private? Are you the same person? Um, what changes do you need to make to be better or better yet? What changes is Jesus telling you to make to be the person that he is calling you to be? Maybe he's been talking to you the whole time I've been talking. And if he's been bringing some things to mind, maybe those are things that you need to work, work on this week, things that you need to talk about. Next letter in our acrostic is T, F-A-I-T, yep, T. So uh, let's look at, oh, Pratt will love this one. Let's look at our list and see if the word I want to use is up there. Uh, nope. And she are one, so she all know all about it. It's called, let's just go, I'll put it sideways. Teacher. Sometimes teaching goes sideways, right? <laughs> but she's a teacher. So whether you want to be a teacher or not, mom or dad, David, Josh, all you guys, man, y'all are teachers. Whether you want to be or not, you are a teacher. People are watching you, especially if you follow Jesus. Trust me, they are noticing what you say. They notice what you do. And one thing I learned from a mission trip in Africa, Brett and I have had a lot of conversations about this one. But different people learn in different ways. Uh, I found out in Mali and Niger and West Africa that those people are not literate learners. You know, we use the word illiterate. And what do you think of? People that can't read and write, right? People, some people call them, well, they're just dumb. They can't read or write. Wrong. There are different kinds of learners. The people in the Songhai people were oral learners. They could tell you a story for two hours and turn around and remember every word of it. So uh, when you're on a desert road in the edge of the Sahara in Mali and your land cruiser breaks down and some African guy walks up with a handful of wires and fixes your truck and gets you on your way, your 12-hour trip back to Niamey, the capital of Niger, trust me, that guy is not dumb. He just learned how to work on a truck by talking to somebody not by reading a book. He is an oral learner. Man, that that, those trips taught me so much about how to communicate with people. There are oral learners. They're not, Pret and I've had all these kinds, she knows my feelings about standardized testing and how kids learn differently from others. But you're, you know, everybody learns differently. And just because they're not illiterate, read and write people doesn't mean they're ignorant or stupid. They just learn in a different way. So if you're a teacher, and dad, you are one, 
how does your kids learn? How's your wife learn from you? Uh, there's a great book, The Five Love Languages. If you haven't read it, you probably need to get it and read it because it talks about the love languages of the people around us and how we can serve them better by knowing my wife's is service. If I wash the dishes, she's whoop, woo, that's it, buddy. She's happy. Wash the dishes, clean, clean up, and she's a happy girl. That's one of her love languages for me to do that. But your kids are the same. The people you work with are the same. If you're a leader, a dad, a mom, a teacher, I don't care. If, if you lead people and you, you are teaching people, you need to find out how they learn because they all learn in different ways. And it's up to us to find the way that they learn. 1 Timothy 4.11 says, get the word out. Teach all these things and don't let anyone put you down because you're young. Get that, guys? Teach believers with your life, by word, by demeanor, by love, by faith, by integrity. There's that word again. Stay at your post reading scripture, giving counsel, teaching, and that special gift of ministry you were given when the leaders of the church laid hands on you and prayed. Keep that dusted off and in use. And let's go on to Psalms 3730. The godly offer good counsel. They teach right from wrong. And in Luke 20, 21, teacher... They said, we know that you speak and teach what is right and are not influenced by what others think. You teach the way of God truthfully. God is pretty specific here about what we are to teach, right? It's not debatable. It's truth. It is truth. And what we go back to 1 Timothy 4.11, and we can look in here. It says, here are the ways we teach with our life. People are watching just how we do what we do every day. If you're like Alex and you're working on computer programs every day and he's in his workstation and how he interacts with people in, at, at QS1, people are looking at him. Miss Ruby and her staff and associates business, people are watching how she communicates and how she acts every day. So our life with our words, what we say, how we say it. My son's a band teacher. Both of these guys are band teachers. They know how to use the inflection of their voice to make a point. Sit down. Nobody, anybody ever done that? I mean, that's all. You don't really have to be angry. You just use what you say, and how we say it makes a difference with our demeanor, our personality. Are you a Debbie Downer? Are you always looking at the glass as half empty? Come on, people. Nobody wants to be around somebody like that. But nobody wants to be around Rocket Boy, who's always on cloud nine and. Ah! You know, they get on my nerves about as bad as Debbie Downer does. But are you always looking for how God works in every situation? That's the, th that's the key to that. By loving others. If you're not loving others, then your words are empty. And it says by faith. Do you really show the people you do life with that you trust God in all things? Is he your hope? Is it obvious to them? And there was that integrity thing again that we've been over and over and over. Are you the same? Are you honest in every relationship? Oh, our final letter, y'all. We are there. We're almost there. Hang on with me. Our final letter is H, F-A-I-T-A. Yeah, that's right. And this one can be a hard one for a dad. Oh, man, we're often called to make some decisions that impact our family. Uh, and we have to do some things. We have to make some decisions. Sometimes it's to move. Sometimes it's change jobs. 
Wow, there are a lot of them. Um, not only for ourselves, but our family. It affects our income, our future, what we can do, what we can do, where somebody might go to school. That kind of stuff carries a lot of weight. And sometimes dad tries to do it on their own. And I can tell you, it, it, it is a weight. It's a weight that if you're not a dad, you, you really don't understand it if you hadn't been there done that. It, it's just a different thing about it. I can't ex really can't explain it, but the key to handling that weight goes back to this word right here called honesty. That's our final letter in our acrostic. Luke 20, 21, we're going to go back to that. Teacher, they said, we know that you speak and teach what is right and are not influenced by what others think. You teach the way of God truthfully. You're not influenced by what others think. Jesus was influenced by his father. Are you influenced by others that determine how you lead your family? Or are you going back to him and your relationship with him for how you do that? It's pretty clear that what we should teach is not what we make up on the fly. You know, going down the road on a family vacation probably is not the best time to make a, a life-changing decision. Newsflash. This big word right here, honesty. Your kids already know you're not perfect anyway, so you might as well give it up. They, they know you're not perfect. If my kids, they can show a fire tell you that I am not perfect. I am not a perfect dad. Um, let's look at Proverbs 12, 22. It says, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. So the best thing to do, is practice honesty as a way of life. You may be thinking, well, I wasn't lying, but understand this, trust is founded in honesty. So if your decision as a mom or a dad or a leader is to be really understood and trusted, do me a favor. I've been in companies, I've been in organizations where the why was not explained. Now look, I realize that my two-year-old grandson does not understand why his bubble maker ran out of fluid. All he knows, it ain't doing what it's supposed to do, and he goes ballistic. But a 16-year-old can understand why they can't get to go to a party. The why reveals our honesty. Don't be scared, any organization, divine church, any church, don't be scared to tell the why behind the decision that you make. Ask if you don't get told, ask why. Why, why, why? Be that child. Ask why. Make us tell you why. If I don't, you know, if I'm not telling my kids why, I'm failing them. They don't see the heart behind what I'm doing. That's something that really uh, need to see. An intern when we, when Tyler and I was on staff at New Spring, uh, an intern that I, had, that I had at the time asked me for some leadership <laughs> advice, and I thought it was kind of funny. I'm going like, really want to hear this um i guess he expected me to spout some john maxwell or something i don't know i don't know what he wanted to really hear but i said okay here you go what is my leadership based on i asked him i said what did jesus say were the two greatest commandments he said love the lord your god with all your heart soul and mind and love others i said you got that part i said that's the whole bible people that's it. He said everything else in the scripture is based on that. Love God, love others. But I told him this. I said my leadership style 
probably surprised him, but I told him, I said, here's my, and it's all, my leadership style is based on that. Tell the people that you lead, you love them. If you're the dad, your family has to know that you love them, that you really care about them. That's the first thing you do. The second thing you do is they have to know about what Jesus is doing in your life. Tell them about Jesus. And you might think, well, why didn't you tell them about Jesus first? Because if I don't love them, they're not going to listen to anything else I have to say about them. If, I'm not, if I don't give them my time and show them that I love them and I care about them, they're sure not going to listen to me tell them anything about what God's doing in my life. So tell them about Jesus. That's number two. And number three, what I told him that day was you have to practice honesty at all costs. No matter what. When you mess up, I'm not perfect. I didn't, I, I didn't understand what I was getting myself into. I failed. I'm sorry. I messed up. I had to tell one of the guys the other day I was supposed to go get him some gas for jump start for the trailer park to cut grass. And I, I just got so busy I forgot. Did I, did I try, to try to blow it off? No, I text Chris and told him, hey, man, I'm sorry. I forgot your gas. I'll get it in the morning. People appreciate honesty. So those three things will take you a long way. Dads, moms, leaders, churches, all of us will suffer if we're not honest. But we leave out being honest in our relationships with Jesus, our families, and the people we lead, and all of them are going to fail. We have to be really honest. So as we wrap up, let's just do a kind of a quick run through. Foundation is your cornerstone. Uh, Jesus is the one who should be the cornerstone of your family. It shouldn't be your portfolio. It shouldn't be the accomplishments that you got hung on the wall. My 31 and a half year plaque from Tempkin doesn't really mean a whole lot when my family are looking for me to lead them through a crisis. Jesus being my foundation made that difference, not that plaque on the wall. So at some point you have to decide what is going to be your foundation. Is he the one who holds you in the storms? Romans 3 says this. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as a promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Christ Jesus. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, for everyone is sin. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Available. How available are to you, Jesus, to your spouse, to your family? And then the people you do life with. Does your calendar, if I looked at your calendar or your planner, what does it show me about you spending time with people? A lot of times we don't put that into a calendar. We don't plan that time out. We just do it. Okay, so you do it. Are you doing it? I guess that's my big question to you. What changes do you need to make in your life to be available to your family or the people you love and the people you lead? Let's go back to integrity. Are you the same in private or as you, as you are in public? Do you put more effort into the office or the job than you do in your quiet time with Jesus? Uh, do you put more effort into all those things than you do in the ball games or band competitions, <laughs> which I still love to go to, or fishing trips, or rafting trips that we were just talking about? Um, are, there, are you showing them that you love them? That's... That's what the whole integrity thing is about. Are you fleshing out that love that you say you have for them with your time? Teacher, what are you teaching your family? 
you're teaching them something, good or bad, you're teaching them something. So what's the foundation that your teaching is based on? As math teachers uh, that I used to have would always teach you when you're doing algebra or some other, you know, show your work. Does your family or the people you lead understand the why behind what you're doing? Do they see that Jesus is your foundation? Do they, do they hear the words come out of you that explains the why behind your leadership in your family? Teacher, where are you teaching them? Do you know their love language? Do you know how to reach each member of your family with the things that you want to teach them. Some of them won't, some of them won't be, a, some of them you can get them to do a journal and talk to Jesus that way. Some of them you need to talk to them. Some of them you can sit in a boat and fish like me and David do all the time and talk. It's how do you teach them? Honesty. Are you holding back on things? Trying to be super dad? You got your, you pull your cape out and think you got it all together. I can fix it all. Barbie O used to call me Mr. Fix It. No. I wouldn't, I was never claimed to be Mr. Fix-It. I do, that is a dad, that's a dad bad trait. We do try to fix things. Our first thing is give me a hammer and a screwdriver and baby, I'll get in there on it. I'll, I'll do something with it. But you can't always be super dad. You feel like being open about what's going on with you, how things are weighing on you. Do you can you do that with your family? Do they give you the, do they give you the uh, openness to do that? To, do you express yourself like that? Are you telling them about what Jesus is teaching you? Are you being honest and admitting your faults and your failures and your struggles? Your family knows, people. Your family knows when things are falling apart at work, they can look at you and tell. And I've had um, my daughter ask me one time when I was really struggling with something about what's going on. And she just sensed that. She knew it. Today, if you can't say that Jesus is your cornerstone your found and your foundation, we would love to help you have that conversation. If you're here with us or you're online watching us uh, on Facebook, we'd love to have that conversation with you. Uh, if you go back to Romans 3.23, it says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's not one of us, it's all of us. We all are imperfect. Don't get the idea. Take your cape off and put it in the closet. Nobody's perfect. Um, we all have sinned and fall short of that glory standard. And that's what God's word says. And right now what I want to do is ask everyone to stand. We're going to have, if you don't know that you have a relationship with Jesus, right now what I'd like for you to do is um, just bow your head. If you're online, you bow your head right there. And please put a comment on Facebook and let us know that you did this. But we'd love to have you pray this prayer with us. And let's, let's get this thing done. Let's, let's make sure that you have Jesus as your foundation. So if you would, let's pray together. Jesus, you know and I know who I really am. You know I'm really relying on myself and what I can accomplish. Lord, I realize how I failed you, and that is called sin. I want to have a real working relationship with you, and I want you to be my Lord and Savior my foundation for my life and my family's life from now on Lord I promise to put you first and follow you the best way I know how one step at a time thank you Jesus for saving me help me now to be the dad the mom or the leader that you want me to be
Lord, we ask all this in your name and all your people said, amen. Thank you, guys. stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tinless whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleasing, I'm never alone, you're a good, good father, so you are so you are, so you are, and I'm loved by you. So I am, so I am, so I am. And I'm seeing many searching for answers, for and why, but I know we're all searching for answers. Only you provide because you know just what we need before we say your word. You're a good, good father. So you are, so you are, so you are, and I'm loved by you. So I am, so I am, so I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. Jesus, love so undeniable. I, I can hardly speak. Peace so unexplainable. I, I can hardly think as you call me. Deeper still as you call me. Deeper still as you call me, deeper still into love, love, love. You're a good, good father, so you are, so you are, so you are, and I'm loved by you, so I am, so I am, so I am. Good, good father, 
just want to reiterate again happy Father's Day to all the fathers who are here and thank you so much for coming and being with us this morning at the Vine. Thank you Joel for that message that encourages not just fathers but each and every one of us to be better and to do better and to let Jesus be the cornerstone of our lives and of the way that we live and the way that we treat people and the way that we lead and the way that we follow so let Jesus be your cornerstone as you go forward today and every day. So thank you so much. Um, thank you for everybody else who is here. If you have any prayers, any questions, any concerns, anything that we can help you with, we'd love to connect with you after the service. Uh, feel free to meet us at the garden or just come up and grab us and talk to us. And if you're online, we want to connect with you as well. So email us at hello at thevine.tv. Uh, and we will respond to you as soon as we can and help in any way that we can. Now, for the fathers who are here today, I have an envelope. And usually what comes in envelopes is pretty nice, right? So I have an envelope full of gifts for all the fathers who are here today. So if you would, after the service, once we close, just come meet me at the front of the stage. And I have a gift for you from the Vine Church just to say thank you and just to say how much, like Joel said, we love you and we care about you and we're so glad that you're here with us today. So as we go forward and as we get ready to leave, I'm gonna pray for us and then let's go have a great day. So let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you again for this day. Thank you for every father that has been so that we may be here now. And thank you most importantly for our father who cares so much for us and who loves us so much, he did not want to be separated from us. And so he gave us our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you so much for all that you do, all that you bless us with each and every day, this breath that you've put in our lungs that we may have life. And we just pray, Lord, that you will be with us as we go forward today and help us to live a life full of love, full of joy, and full of hope and happiness that we may be able to, to take light into the darkness. We pray, Lord, that you'll just be with us, guide our steps, and in everything that we do, may we bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great day.